It's the dawning of a new era. You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio, Channel 2. Today's first installment, a program of the Nerd Noise Radio Network, is Channel 2 Episode 1 for Theme Thursday, September 17th, 2020. The theme of today's episode is Songs of the Pandemic. Sit back and relax as your guides, Hugh and St. John, take you on a completely different kind of adventure for Nerd Noise Radio. And we hope that you'll enjoy the journey. Thank you for indulging us for that special introduction, listeners. That is right. This is Channel 2, Episode 1. And I have Hugh with me this morning. How are you doing, Hugh? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good, good. Very excited to kick this show off. 
Yeah. yeah. As the as the title suggested, we will be playing songs from games that we played during the uh, 2020 quarantine. In case you're listening to this in the future and the 2024 quarantine is going on, I want to be very clear. You know, or if you're coming out of your bomb shelter in November and and this is the first thing you hear on, on the radio, whether we made it or not, I hope that you will at least enjoy this this uh, broadcast. Uh, so this opening track we heard was City on the Horizon uh, from the Runway game in 1980X. It was composed by Daniel Rosenkvist and or Anton Dromberry. And UFD is also credited in the soundtrack, but not for this track. He's the guitarist, though, so I'm pretty sure UFD is also involved. Anyone in the know, let us know. Uh, Hugh, what did you think of this track? Yeah, I really like it. This this first part, I mean, it's it's got this, like, really, really long build-up that is so relaxing. You know, it's got that kind of, um, like, spa feel to it. And then it just turns into, like, a 1980s movie theme. Yeah. Um, have you had a chance to play 1980X, the game this comes from? I have not. I have not. So I assume this is something you played over the past few months? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's the shortest game, I think the shortest game I've ever played outside of the Atari 2600. Uh, but, but no, seriously, I you know, you can play through the whole game in like an hour. Um, it's more, it's, it's more like an interactive story, uh, sort of, but um, it's also just intended to be part one. You know, there's part two, part three, supposedly in the works, and that'll extend the story out quite a bit. Um, it's, it's really kind of an interesting story. This, this kid grows up in the suburbs of some big city. He's bored out of his mind. He's depressed. And, uh, well, actually the character is kind of androgynous. The character could be a she. Um, so I guess we'll say they. Uh, the character, they discover this arcade in this, like, seedy back neighborhood kind of thing. And it just, it, it changes their, their world. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it becomes this getaway. They, they, they escape their boring reality through these games they lose themselves mm-hmm. in these games and um you know obviously the particulars of this of, of that are very different for me but you know i grew up i grew up kind of in the the no man's land of freaks and geeks in between not cool enough for the cool kids not cool enough for the nerds uh or not nerdy enough for the nerds rather you know failing to meet their mm-hmm. standards also and so i, I I didn't get in a lot of fights. I wasn't bullied a lot, but I just was kind of left alone. And so the games were my escape. And, you know, so the particulars are totally different, but relating to that game as escape thing uh, was very powerful for me. And then just being so connected to, I'm such a big fan of 80s nostalgia. Uh, Like, I don't don't actually think I would want to go back and live in the 80s. I think I'm happiest. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you know, because it's all rose colored. It seems so beautiful, but then you go back and, and like, all the stuff that we know and love today is gone, right? Um, so mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't actually want to live in the 80s, but the nostalgia I feel for the 80s is so powerful anyway. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, it's sweet, it's bitter, I ache. And so that, that strong 80s nostalgia paired with the, the connection to this character made the game so powerful for me that I literally cried. Okay. Playing. I'm gonna have to try this now. I mean, I see it's not a very expensive game, so looks like it's worth uh, worth trying for sure. So this is like retro game challenge. Okay. Is that, would that be the best analogy to it? Have you played retro game challenge? No, I know the name, but tell me more about it. Okay. Well, so, so that one, you're a, you know, let's say early teenager living in Japan who, I don't know if you have friends or not. It seems like you don't. 
and you're basically in your room with uh, Nintendo Power magazines reading, you know, game reviews and playing all the new games as they come out. Mm-hmm. So you have like a shooter game, you have an RPG, uh, you have like a ninja game. And this seems to be kind of similar. It looks like there's a shooter, there's a driving game, there's a Streets of Rage style game. Yes. Yes, uh, it, does, it sounds very similar. Unfortunately, the games are miniaturized versions of the games, mm-hmm. like one one or two stages of a game, and that's the game. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, that's Retro Game Challenge. They're basically, each game is one or two stages. You know, the whole, the RPG is maybe an hour long total. Okay. Okay, then yes, uh, this is this is very much that. Uh, set in the 80s. Um, what the, but what happens in this game, in this part of the game where the music is playing, it's a really important part of the story. Uh, because mm-hmm. you're playing kind of an outrun kind of game, and you're driving through the desert, and that part is actual game. You can you can, you can can lose, you know. Uh, but once you get to the point where it turns to nighttime, and you're driving towards the city, you've got like the Golden Gate Bridge in the horizon, you know, you've got all the billboards and the lit up signs and stuff, the skyline in the distance. Um, that point, you become invincible, basically. Like the timer sets to 201 seconds, or however long this track is. Mm-hmm. And um, interspersed with the music is the the character actor telling the story. You know, like, mm-hmm. like oh, I could be free. I never wanted to stop playing. You know, it's I, yeah. I, I make it sound so much lamer than it really is. It really is very profound. Um, but the the timer in the game runs out right when the song ends. You know, and the last line of the story is something like, but, you know, we all have to come upstairs sometime, and then you get the little game over sound, and, you know, the time runs out, mm-hmm. and the car stops, and all that stuff. So, um, really, really powerful moment, though, that I just cannot do justice <laughs> here today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sounds good. It definitely sounds like something I would get into. I um, I think when I'd seen previews, I thought this was just a racing game, and didn't realize it had, you know, this whole variety of other things going on. Yeah, yeah, it does. And there's one segment, there's one segment kind of a, it almost has a shinobi look to it, but really it's a runner game. Um, okay. your, your character is just constantly running forward. Um, but the music to that part is made by Yuzo Koshiro. And it sounds, wow. yeah, it really kind of has that uh, PC-98 sound to it also. If you're paying attention, you know that he's cheating. You know, he's using modern tools, but it really has that kind of PC-98 Sega Genesis sound to it. So... Very cool, very cool. Uh, okay, so what do you have for us? Um, all right, so why don't we stick with um, games kind of set in the 80s and this idealized uh, version of the 80s. And let's go with a Saturday Morning RPG, another kind of very similar game that's kind of like a short indie game. And this song is called Overdrive.
right, so that was Overdrive from Saturday Morning RPG, composed by Vince DeCola and Kenny Meredith. So, yeah, this is a really fun game. I, uh... Oh, no, 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 go ahead. I, I cut you off. Yeah, no, I played, um, this is one of these games I bought late last year. It was, like, either a Black Friday or New Year's sale on the Switch shop. So okay. it was, like, nine cents or some completely absurd price. And I thought, okay, well, that seems worth it, you know. Worth the equivalent of uh, putting a quarter in a Pac-Man machine. Sure. And then, right around the time that this whole uh, whole quarantine thing started, this is one of the first games I, I played. Um, it's fairly short. I mean, it's maybe a seven or eight hour game. So I think I got through it in under a week. Uh, I just really couldn't stop playing. I really got into the battle system a lot. It's kind of... I would compare it a little bit to Paper Mario. Uh, it's not exactly the same as Paper Mario, but that's the closest RPG battle system I can think of. I think that's a fair comparison. Um, so, yeah, I... When did this game? Do you know? Remember when this game first came out? Was it 2017, 2018, something like that on Steam? Yeah, it's it's older than you think it is. But yeah. it's, let's go with 2017-ish. Yeah, because I remember when it was coming out, seeing like the promotional stuff for it, and thinking, Saturday morning RPG. That just sounds like a magic recipe. You know, that <laughs> sounds so perfect. Uh, and it was when it got cheap. When it was on the Steam summer sale, I bought it, played it for about 20 minutes. And thought, okay, this is probably this is probably worth coming back to some at some point. Um, never did. Got it on the Switch when it was really cheap. Still didn't touch it. And then when you gave it to me on your list of tracks, I'm like, I'm gonna fire that up again. Yeah. And 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 now I'm I'm about halfway through the game. You know, maybe more than halfway through the game. Yeah. Um, it's the sense of humor in that game is fantastic. You know, the art style. It on the one hand, it's technically pretty chintzy, but it's it's fun also. You know these these pic, 2D pixel characters and or or hand drawn characters mm -hmm. in um, a really chintzy 3D environment. It's actually really it actually is really fun. Um, but I remember playing the very beginning of the game, fighting the the mini boss on the bridge, hearing this music and getting mm -hmm. really excited. I'm like, oh, that's huge track. That's huge track. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, and I love this track. You know um, that that heavy handed organ. Makes me think mm -hmm. uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, which uh, is something you would have heard probably in an arcade around the early '80s. Well, maybe, but yeah, yeah. Um, but the organ's actually not my favorite part. My favorite part is, you know, this thing has kind of a rocker feel until after the organ, where it does it goes like great jazz fusion, like this. You know, this is almost as jazz. This is more jazz fusion than straight ahead rock. You know. Um, like I think '80s uh, Chick Corea or something like that, you know. Um, the other thing I really like about this piece, and it's coming up right away. Uh, I'm gonna let's wait it out because it's just okay. around the corner. That. <laughs> I, can, you like the, I know you like the uh, transformer screen there. I, I can't not laugh when I hear that. That's so fantastic. It's just it's that's a great example of the sense of humor in this game. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I realized that was part of the track versus like an effect that played <laughs> the first time I played it. Yeah, no, it's it's it it uh, it's a joke baked right into the song. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's sort of like um, the the last battle theme in Chrono Trigger has an effect like that. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know if you've gotten to the end of Chrono Trigger. I have. It's a little bit longer than Saturday Morning RPG. 
I haven't. I'm pretty sure I have the game. Like, hard copy have the game. Oh, but, wow. Okay. Well, someone someone was um, had just got hidden married, just gotten married, and they were cleaning out their house, and they were getting rid of everything they didn't need. And they're like, John likes games, so let's give him a box <laughs> full of games. And among them, I, I'm 99% sure Chrono Trigger was among them. Okay. All but right. it, well, you might be able to retire on that one day. Well, I... <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Um, it's also the reason why I have Virtual Boy games when I don't actually have a Virtual Boy. Okay. You're not missing out on much. No, but I don't know. If I could find a good one for cheap, I still want it. Just, what's the name of that medicine that helps against headaches? Um, diazepam uh, or something whiskey. like that? Well, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that just makes living with the headache easier, but okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'll need to take whatever that diazepam or whatever that medicine is that prevents headaches before I play. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a Virtual Boy, and I've played it maybe twice. Okay. Um, there are some games that are really worth emulating, but you you really don't want to play on the original hardware. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So for our next track, we're gonna go with a. I think this is another game that's probably older than you think. It's mm-hmm. another indie game. It's a it's a beat 'em up game. It's actually kind of dark. It's called Mother Russia Bleeds, and um, it was like it was one of those nine cents on the Switch things, and mm-hmm. you know I do not regret buying it at all. So this track is called Unholy Impact, and it's composed by Fixians. Let's enjoy.
Okay, and that was Unholy Impact from Mother Russia Bleeds on multiple systems, composed by Fixions. Hugh, what'd you think? I, I like it, yeah. Very kind of like 90s industrial sound. Um, I, I first heard it and I thought I was like, like it was a soundtrack to a Blade movie was my okay. first impression of it. Okay, yeah, and we were, during the break we were looking and those movies are not as old as we thought they were. Yeah, Blade, much newer movie than I thought. I thought that was like mid-90s and it's actually late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so the thing that I think drew me to this track, there's so many things, but um, do you remember Mortal Kombat 1 on the Genesis, of course? The Matt Furness yes. soundtrack? And mm-hmm. dur- during the uh, little victory jingle, he'd, he'd usually have it wind down on like this warble out, kind of dissonant warble out thing. Okay. Okay. This piece sounds like it's like showers of that sound. Not, not okay. this part right here, but the next, you know, the big chords that kind of come crashing down, they kind of warble out. Okay. And, and uh, so actually, we'll be back to that in just a second here. This, but you got to wait till the upper register before it really, okay. you really notice it. Yeah, it's like showers of the multi- mortal, it's like showers of Mortal Kombat victory. A little bit, yeah, yeah, I can, I can hear it. Yeah, yeah and I think I, obviously, I'd assume the developers were at least somewhat inspired by Mortal Kombat, right? This is a pretty, this is a pretty gory game, right? It's yeah, it is. It's a, it's a pixel art. It's a, it's about as gory as pixel art can get. Okay. You know, um, you're escaping from this Russian prison slash testing center. You know, they do scientific experiments on people. You know, uh, inject them with all sorts of stuff. It's, it's really pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a fun game. You know, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it one of the heavyweights, you know. I think there's a fighting game somewhere else in our episode that's a much more substantial uh, game. But mm-hmm. this one's fun. It's fun. It's got interesting music like this. It's, it was dirt cheap. It's got a, you know, a quirky premise. It's a good game. Yeah, I think I'd be willing to give it a try. Um, I mean, it's got kind of a Streets of Rage like R-rated Streets of Rage feel to it. Yes, yes, Streets of Rated Rage. No, 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 no. I might even, <laughs> that might not even make the final episode. That was so bad. Um, <laughs> so. No, you gotta um, keep that. You gotta okay, keep this right. one, one uh, dad joke in there. Now, you, you know what I say? You know, dad jokes are the rad jokes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yep, so, um, okay, so what's your next track? Uh, you know, I'm gonna go, uh, cause I always have to include a couple Falcom tracks cause I'm, I'm all weird like that. I'm going to go with uh, Trails in the Sky the Third, and this song is called The Abyss.
So yeah, um, Falcom Sound Team JDK is who uh, is always credited for all Falcom soundtracks. The composer in this one though was Hayato Sonoda. Usually there's three or four composers on each game. And if you dig around a little bit, you can figure out which one uh, did which track. And yeah, this was a game I also played uh, the past few months. I was a um, really big fan of the first two games in this series. Uh, they're very, very interconnected. I mean, you can't really play the games out of order. Uh, but I played the first two games and skipped the third one because I knew it was really just an epilogue. You know, it's like a collection of what the characters were doing. Well, it's both a prologue and epilogue. It's like a collection of stories about what the characters are doing before and after the first two games. Okay, So I just put... Yeah. So I put it off for a really long time. And, um... Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It would, the story would make no sense to you at all if you haven't played the first two games. Okay. Uh, yeah, and this particular track is uh, used in like a, a really dark, like visually dark dungeon at the end of the game. Okay. I, you know, I haven't played any of these games, but the way you described it is both, you know, prequel and epilogue. Um, even even with someone who has played the games, it, it feels like, it sounds like it would feel kind of disjointed, but do they, they work, they work it out apparently. Yeah, because it's, it's, you're like following two main characters who are like, in this like weird distorted reality dungeon and there's all these different doors and when you go into one of the doors you're like entering either the epilogue or prologue of one of the other characters in the series interesting so, like this dungeon is sort of like connecting you to where you see the stories of all the other characters okay and you end up with a party of like uh, well there's three parties of four so that's 12 so you end up like splitting into three parties at the end for like the final final dungeon so it's really for people who enjoyed the first two games, you know, and want to know more about the characters or just enjoyed the combat system a lot. Okay. All right. Uh, well, yeah, like I said, I haven't played them, but um, I love the layering of this track. I love mm -hmm. how it starts off kind of, you've got that choral, you know, the voice samples, and mm -hmm. but then there's the whoosh, gong, and, you know, then it builds. And, yeah, I love, I love that. I, I love that system where it kind of, you get more, and then you get more, and then you get more, and it, it just keeps the track interesting, you know. Um, yeah, it doesn't get boring at all. So the first game is it is it a game that's like real time involved to get into, or? Well, it's, I mean, they're they're RPGs, and they're you know forty to sixty hours, depending on how many of the side quests you want to do. Um, and they feel a little bit old. Like um, the developer usually is not doing like cutting edge graphics in most of their games. And so the first games were like PSP games. Maybe you could pass for PS1 games, if that makes sense. Like they're not like the most visually impressive games. They're also on PC. They're on, they go on sale on Steam all the time. Okay. Um, but it's a long story. You know, it's a 40 hour story. And um, it's got kind of a, I, like I like the battle system in these games a lot. So it's a, it's a turn-based RPG, but it has a really different um, take on how to do turn-based battles and how to equip characters so it's it's um you just kind of have to plan out like your character's equipment a little bit better and um there's like a grid that you're positioning characters on because attacks have different ranges and stuff so it's um a little bit of like a tactical rpg a little bit okay uh, which is weird because i don't really like tactical rpgs all that much but it's like just barely tactical rpg enough for me to still like it i guess okay okay well maybe i'll maybe i'll look into them um Especially if they're going on sale all the time. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're a few. I mean, they're like 15 years old at this point. 
so they go on sale quite a bit. Yeah, the only question is, will I really have time? Because, you know, I, I spend so much of my gaming on the Switch. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I have a I have a PS4, I have an Xbox One, I have a PC, right? But I like to joke that I could write Switch was here in the dust on them, you know, because... Right. Yeah. You know, so, like, when am I going to get in front of a PC when, when it's in one room in the house and I have a two-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, I know so. that feeling, yeah. It's... it's um, The Switch has been... It's been a system I've played a lot recently. Um, this whole series would be like... Like, a dream release would be to take these three games and just put them on a Switch cartridge. Uh, there'd be no problems running it on the Switch, but I don't know if whoever has the, the U.S. rights is at all interested in that. Yeah. Yeah, we can hope. Um, okay, so my next track, we were talking about fighting games. And I yeah. said, I think we got one that's a little bit, you know, more robust of a fighting game than Mother Russia Bleeds. And that's Streets of Rage 4, which uh, came out, it, it was delayed a lot. It came out, lot. it came out this year. And it was, it was a big chunk of the pandemic for me. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear the stage one theme called They're Back. And this one is composed by Yuzo Koshiro.
And that was their back from Streets of Rage 4 on multiple platforms, composed by Yuzo Koshiro. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Yeah, when I heard that he was coming back to do some songs for the soundtrack, this is like exactly what I was hoping it would sound like. Um, I mean, it sounds so much like the original Streets of Rage games. Obviously, it's not being done on, on Sega Genesis hardware. Um, but it sounds, it's just got the exact sound and feel that I was expecting. It's like there's a part in here that sounds almost like a sample from uh, Streets of Rage 2 a couple of minutes in. It's not yeah. a sample, it's just it's so very, very close to Streets of Rage 2 in, in some parts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Well, actually, coming up right here. Yeah, I mean, this is the part, oh, Streets of Rage 1, the beach. Well, no, yeah. I was talking about the strings. Uh, that's okay. a little bit later on. Okay. This doesn't sound like a Streets of Rage sample. It sounds like a Sonic the Hedgehog sample. That okay. early, yeah. you know, that little yeah. bell yeah. thing. Yeah. This is the part that sounds like the beach with the strings. Yeah, okay. This is definitely the part I was thinking of. Yeah. And yeah. It also, this also sounds like Streets of Rage 2 to me, but Streets of Rage 1 and 2 sound pretty similar. It sounds like some, it sounds like Yuzo took Stage 1 from Streets of Rage 2 and Stage 3 from Streets of Rage 1 and layered them on top of each other. But that's basically what this track is. It's a love letter to the whole series. You know what I mean? Like, obviously he couldn't include every single track in this, but he invoked multiple tracks and kind of merged them into one thing. And it, it's, it, it's like a perfect distillation of the spirit of Streets of Rage as a whole. You know, and this is what you're coming into. This is stage one. You know, um, you even get the Pine Pot logo in the background. Which, by the way, I don't. This, the listeners won't get anything from this, but if you can see my shirt, I'm wearing the Pine Pot logo right now. Ah. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fantastic game. It's I think it's updated just the right amount. You know, they they have new characters, they have some new moves. You know, it's like a five button game now instead of a three button game. You know. Um, but it still feels like the old Streets of Rage. It plays like the old Streets of Rage. Mm-hmm. One of the reviews I read about it before I played it is was negative because it's like this is too much like the old games. It needs to come to the 21st century. I'm like, like, like Ella does. This is perfect the way it is. You right. know? Yeah, um, this is what you wanted. I, I think if you wanted a new Streets of Rage game, you wanted what was delivered. Yes, yes. It's 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 not stale. They've it's fresh, but it, it's classic. And, and then going back, there, there's a reward system. You know, we, I played through the game on easy mode so I could have the experience rather than the challenge, but then I went back and played on higher difficulty settings uh, so that I could, there's like a progress bar. You, you hit points and you unlock classic characters. You, you know, you can play as, as Axel and Adam and Blaze from Streets of Rage 1, 2. You, I mean, not Adam from 2, of course, you know, but, and then there's Streets of Rage 3 characters and their movesets are different. You know, and the game yeah. is, you, you'd think the game would actually be harder with Street Rage 1 Axel because he has so much fewer moves and he's so much slower. He's also way more powerful. So it's actually easier to play with Street Rage 1 character. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this will I'll eventually get this game. I, I spent most of this uh, quarantine period kind of working through backlog games. Sure. Sure. Um, well, yes, let me know what you think when you do. Um, okay, so what's what's your next one? I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit because this is actually a game I started in 2019, but it's a very long game, so I I probably finished it on what would have been like the first night of quarantine. Okay. Um, so it counts, but just barely. Uh, okay. That's um, uh, Trails of Cold Steel Three, and this is a song called Power or Technique.
All right, so yeah, Power or Technique, also composed by Hayato Sonoda, who I probably pronounced his name twice now, two different ways. Um, I like this one a lot. Yeah, this is like, it, it really to me sounds like an 80s movie montage. Okay. It's um, the Training Grounds theme from the game. So uh, specifically like the giant mech battle training grounds. So a portion of this game involves giant mech battles and you have to train how to use them. Okay, so um, tell me about the environment of the train, the training area, because I get a certain picture. I um, I played a lot of. Um, oh, I just totally blanked on the name of that game. Jeez um, Louise! It came out on the Switch uh, at around Christmas time. It was very. What is the name? Astral Chain. Oh, okay. So it makes me think of the training room in Astral Chain. Have you played that? Oh, I have not. No, no. I mean okay. the. Because this is like giant mech battles, the, the training area is outside, although there is like a big industrial kind of warehouse where the, the mechs are stored. Um, I know I make this sound like it's a mech game, like the mech battles are maybe 10% of the game. Okay. Um, but there is this whole section, and um, again, just because the kind of 80s feel, I liked it. Okay. The, the rest of the, none of the game setting is 1980s, <laughs> of course, but uh, they, they picked a good track here. Just the, it does kind of invoke a montage. Yeah, I just, I picture more of a technological, industrial kind of steel or concrete room that's basically empty except for the hologram of the thing you're fighting or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, I love, what I love about it is the string and the harp, you know, as brightness, as richness, contrasting with this kind of just steady techno punk bass drone kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. I like how they work in a little, just a little bit of like square wave and stuff to sound a little more video gamey here in the next little around the bend. Yeah. Uh, but it's a nice mix of those two worlds. It is, yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm sorry. I was gonna say we're gonna do a little uh, mini segment within an episode, or episode within an episode. Is that the term? Yeah, we are. Um, we are embarking on a an episode within an episode um something that was supposed to happen back in in march but was delayed till june of this year was the release of the turbo graphic 16 mini mm -hmm. and it was something that i was very much looking forward to i take it something you were very much looking forward to yeah. as well and and so we wanted to have a couple more old school more chip tracks in this episode and so we collectively decided let's just do a handful of turbo graphics music uh, music that specifically music that you can play on the US Mini. Mm -hmm. So um, these tracks will be shorty, so we'll let them loop a handful of times before we come back. But we're going to open up this little mini segment with Friend Select from Air Zonk. And it is composed by Daisuke Morshima and or Hisashi Matsushita. Let's go ahead and give it a listen.
Okay, that was Friends Select from Air Zonk on the TurboGrafx-16, composed by Daisuke Morshima and or Hisashi Matsushita. What'd you think, you? I like it. Yeah, very, very upbeat. I would kind of assume it's like a mini-game if you just played this for me and didn't give me any context about what it was from. I would think it's like a carnival game in a role-playing game. You know, like when you go to the carnival okay. and you have to win some prize that you need to defeat the last boss. Okay. It's got kind of that feel to it. But yeah, I've only played this game a little bit. See that. Yeah, I, I um, I mean, I got the Turbo Graphics Mini. Um, have been playing it a lot. It's weird for someone who's kind of terrible at shooters to want a system that's like eighty percent shooter. Um, but it, yeah, um, some of them aren't bad. Like Blazing Lasers is pretty easy. Um, but Irzonk, I I got a couple stages in before I just started really dying constantly. So what what's your opinion of the song? Right. Well, so you you would have thought it was a bonus uh, stage without context. I would have thought it was like an intro, like an intro mm-hmm. sequence, or maybe even a title screen music without context. Okay. Um, but I love it. I, um, you know, the samples they have kind of that clappy thing that almost makes you think of Vega from Street Fighter Two. Oh yeah. You know, uh, you can hear that, um, and then I affectionately return I, I affectionately refer to the turbografx 16 sound as velvet gravel okay and and the base <laughs> the base on this track is like like textbook velvet gravel it's just it's it's gritty but it, there's a warmth to it also you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's so simple I mean it's only playing a few notes you know but um, no, I love the I love the sound spectrum that this even though it's so short and so compact I love the sound space that it creates um, the game, I've only played the game once or twice also. I think we both have only played it on the Mini. And uh, Yeah, if you don't count emulators. I, this is one of the... I don't own this release. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It's... I'm not good at shooters. Uh, I don't... I think you said you're not good at shooters either, but... But, uh, I don't know. It was fun, you know? I got a few state. I got three or four stages into it before I started getting slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun, fast-paced, the graphics are good, you know, bright, colorful, big characters, all that stuff. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, the character, it's like, this is, somehow, this is a spin on Zonk. Or, I'm sorry, on uh, Bonk. So he's yeah. like, he's not a caveman now, now he's a robot, you know, because why not? <laughs> yeah, like, like, uh, Jason X or whatever, or Friday the 13th right. or whatever, you know, he's now a cyborg for some reason. Yeah, yeah, just because, yeah. Someone... Someone listening to this will say, oh, well, no, it's actually because of this. And you know what? We welcome that explanation. We'd like to know why the caveman is a robot all of a sudden. So let us know. Yeah, it's probably in, like, a comic book or something. Some manga somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what is what is track two of our little mini focus here? Um, I'm going to go with um, my favorite... I was, I'll go ahead and call it my favorite chip game. <laughs> I know Bonk's Revenge Me is my favorite chip game on the on the PC Engine Mini or Turbo Graphics Mini, depending which one you bought. Uh, but I go with one of my favorite chip games that is Dungeon Explorer, and this is the music from the Bar by uh, Sukasa Masuko.
Alright, so this is the bar from Dungeon Explorer. Again, Tsukasa Musuko. I'm not going to pronounce that wrong. I'm sorry. If you're listening, I apologize. Masuko. Um, so yeah, this guy, hugely pro prolific composer. Like, I don't know um, if, if people follow him really well. I mean, I would say people probably know him more from, like, Shin Megami Tensei, or um, he's worked on at least two of the Smash Brothers games. But I was associated with, uh, with this game and with the sequel. The sequel is one of my absolute favorite soundtracks. Uh, but he's done a lot of other odd stuff, too. He worked on, like, Friday the 13th on NES. Um, uh, Town and Country Surf Designs on NES. I mean, his, his resume is a mile long. I'm wow, just I, he was the TNT Surf Design guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's wow. a fun soundtrack. It, it is. It is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I had no idea. Yeah, so... I. One of the things I really love about you, Hugh, is you really deep dive the composers. You really know the composers very well. I try to I try to be pretty well versed, but like, you really are you really are great at that. Yeah, because what ends up happening is like I I hear a song by someone that I like, and then I'll just go and get like all the previous soundtracks and just kind of power through them, you know, while at work or something. Because you know, if you're doing development or some kind of code related thing, it's good just to have a lot of background music. But um, he's probably worked on 20 NES games. Okay. Um, so we, and it's weird because it's a lot of them a lot of our games that you don't associate as being good like The Karate Kid or I think I mentioned Friday the 13th or generic NFL game you know so things that aren't like you probably see angry video game nerd episodes about them okay but like Friday the 13th I think it's a pretty memorable soundtrack I do too especially when you go into the cabin and you're that that music that's playing when Jason could just be around the corner at any point, that's mm. that's great. I yeah. love that piece. Now, you know, what do you think? What do you think of this track here? Oh, well, I think it's a perfect vibe. Uh, you, you, had, you had mentioned it's kind of like the, the bar, it's the starting mm. out. I think it's really perfect for thus begins the quest of so-and-so for such-and-such. You know, it really, like, you, th you think back to, like, playing Dungeons and Dragons with people, you know, and the can't, the quest always starts in the tavern, right? And and this piece really just nails that feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I almost wish it was called Tavern, because Tavern implies something different than Bar. Bar, you know, yeah. you think, you know. Um, bar Bar's a place you're going to get in a fight, versus Tavern, you're going to drink and sing songs. Sing songs, or maybe, you know, meet up to slay a dragon or something, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Um, Sound-wise, it's a, it's a really simple sound set. Um, you know, um, in terms of it, in terms of what the TurboGrafx was capable of, I don't think it's a great representation, but in terms of kind of the default, what it's known for, I think this is a fantastic representation mm -hmm. of the TurboGrafx. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's really good. It's a, it's, a, it's a simple piece, but it's a compelling piece. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, the final track of our miniseries is probably, um, musically, the, the most involved piece, definitely the most involved piece of this little miniseries. Uh, and it is Demon's Undulate from Alien Crush. And this is composed by Toshiaki Sakoda. Let's give her a listen.
Okay, and that was Demon's Undulate from Alien Crush on the TurboGrafx-16, composed by Toshiaki Sakoda. Interesting piece, is it not? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of feels like a horror movie. I mean, obviously, it's a horror-themed game. Um, but again, if you just played this for me and said, what game is this from, I would have said Splatterhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely not Parasol Stars. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> um, I lo- what I love about it is it, it starts off so slow and then it kind of slowly winds up. And it's like this big machine of evil kind of starting to get up to speed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another track. There's two tracks that you can choose from as the background music for the main table. And I can't remember the name of the other piece. The the other piece, if we're thinking in terms of Tetris, it's theme A. This is theme B. Um, and theme A is more energetic. It's you know it's more robust. It's faster. But I think it just fails to get the horror theme like this one does. This one is the. This one really sets the mood way better. I think. Yeah, yeah. I have like a uh, a playlist here on my phone of uh, I call Halloween. You know, it, it's weird. Like Christmas, there's a million Christmas songs. If you go out on Spotify or whatever, and you want to listen to Christmas music, Halloween, it's like you have the Monster Mash and maybe one or two Alice Cooper songs, and that's like <laughs> the extent of the Halloween playlist. So, I have a video game one that's all like Halloween or horror game soundtracks, and uh, this is definitely going on there. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely do it. I like to just crank that in my, uh, so, you know. Halloween, I'm really disappointed. I don't know what we're going to do for Halloween this year, since we're talking about the pandemic. But, like, usually my neighborhood is really festive for Halloween. And I usually set up, like, a little station in my uh, garage with, you know, candy and horror music playing and all that stuff. And I don't know what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to have to, like, I think I have to get, like, an 18-foot pole that I can hand bags of candy to, you know. (laughs) It's going to be some system that I, I have to dream up to make this work. Uh, do it out the window and like make up the window like some sort of horror theme kind of thing, you know? Okay. So a claw come through with a with candy. Yeah, or you know, um, make the bat like the Ziploc bags kind of look like like voodoo dolls, mm-hmm. you know, and you're throwing them out the window or whatever. You know, you can make it work. Yeah, I was just thinking like this is awful. Like when we were kids, the the Halloween scary thing was that there were rumors that some neighborhood psychopath put razor blades in the candy. Every neighborhood had that rumor, right? And mm-hmm, your parents mm-hmm. would want to inspect the candy to make sure there weren't razor blades in the candy, I guess. Um, and now I, I assume it's like your kid's going with candy. It's like, no, no, you can't touch that for 48 hours. It has to go. <laughs> you have to keep it in the garage for 48 hours. So anything on the surface dies. That's, that's the horror of this Halloween. Well, this will be the scariest Halloween in decades. Yeah. <laughs> A lot yeah. of great costume ideas, though. Um, I think my youngest kid is has settled on toilet paper hoarder for her costume. Oh, oh, oh great! That's wonderful. I um, this won't do the listeners any good, but I have a, a picture I'll send you after this is over about that. Actually, anyone listening, uh, message and say I want the toilet paper picture, and, and I'll send it. So, all right. <laughs> it's a pretty easy um, costume. You just strap a bunch of toilet paper to your back like a backpack, like a uh, was it Death Stranding? Death Standing? What was that game with the big backpack? Death Stranding. There it is. Yeah, just that, yeah. but with with toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know it would sell in twenty twenty. <laughs> it yeah. So that is our TurboGrafx sixteen mini series in its entirety. Um, do you have anything you want to say about the TG sixteen before we get back to the quote unquote the regular episode? Um, no. I mean, I would definitely, um, I would definitely 
like that system better if it had more RPGs. There were a lot of great CD RPGs, um, and some of them are very, very rare in the US. Uh, but there's so much licensing involved there. I mean, I, I think they went after games that were pretty easy for, to get licensed for. And uh, some of the RPGs, it's it's because you know, it would be like a Japanese publisher and then an American localizer, and the and the rights are a confusing mess. Yeah, well, I mean, there are a ton of RPGs, but of course they're all in Japanese, and that doesn't do us any good. Right, right. So. But you could get like Cosmic Fantasy two or Dragon Slayer or you know any other RPG on there if you tried. It's just oh, I think totally. that's all just licensing. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, I love the system. You know, I, I, I it, it's um. Now that we have the Switch, I really think I might have to call the Switch my favorite system of all time because I just love the thing so much. Um, but of retro systems, it really is between the Genesis and the Turbo Graphics for me for favorite system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of love versus the idea of love. Yeah, yeah. Love versus the idea of being in love, and I'm really more of a Genesis guy. But there's just something so compelling and magical about the Turbo Graphics. You know, the games, the looks, the sound, the feel, the mystique. Yeah, all of it. I really love that system. So, um, okay. Well, uh, if if anyone listening to this has a, any you know amazing Turbo Graphics stories, let us know. Let us know, and you know we'll be happy to share them. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get back to the real world. What, yeah. what do you have next for us? Uh, I'm going to go with a game that was released during uh, the pandemic. Um, probably the second biggest release of the pandemic, and, and I think we'll be talking about the first biggest release later. Uh, that is Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, which of course is originally, the original composer is Nobuo Uematsu. It is uh, Masashi Hamazu is the arranger on this one. And uh, I'm going to go with Mako Reactor.
Alright, so that is Mako Reactor from the Final Fantasy VII Remake. This was my favorite song on the original Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. And um, I really liked the way they updated it. I was kind of worried they might destroy this song, but I think this is... Um, I think it turned out pretty well. I, I really didn't think like an orchestral remake like this would be possible, but... Um, I think it's good. I think it's great. I um, I mean, I... I I had heard the original, but it had been so long I didn't remember it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went back and listened for comparison's sake between the original and this. And I actually prefer this version. I, I mean, the original one is classic. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more fun than this. Um, but it also has, and I don't really mean this as an insult, but it has just a little bit of cheese to it. The original one. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's like one or two voices that are kind of, you know, kind of weird. Uh, this is just so much more of a serious business presentation. Mm -hmm. And it flows you know. really well. Like, I, I really have a hard time telling where it stops and ends. Um, which is good because it plays for a really long time in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I run the risk of being called a heretic by some of our listeners mm -hmm. for this, but um, you had talked about following composers, getting to know them, really deep diving them. And one of the ones that's happened to me with is Masashi Hamauzu. And, you know, he did Final Fantasy X. He's done, I think, most of the, other than other than 15, I think he's done pretty much everything after that. He's done a lot of uh, other Square Enix stuff, you know. Uh, a lot of the other big games from the from the time are also Hamauzu-san. And I'm going to lose some fans for this, but I actually am a much bigger Masashi Hamauzu fan than I'm a than a, a Nobuo Uematsu fan. You know, I actually like his music better. Okay. Well, you like what you like. I mean, um, they're they're different styles for sure. I mean, totally. Um, the thing about doing like deep dives in these composers is like a couple of years ago I did one on like the the Nobuo Uematsu like early chiptune music. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of like really really obscure stuff in there because you forget like how many games square made that weren't released in america in, in the okay. kind of mid 80s um and some of them are games that like just wouldn't like you could just never possibly uh sell in the u.s um but there's like these weird games where it's like you're writing fan letters to a japanese idol i think is the theme of the game <laughs> okay it's like okay obviously that would not sell here but the soundtrack is great. <laughs> like it's one of one of his early ones. Um, just just a lot of weird stuff like that. Um, and of course, he's still working today. He's um, uh, maybe not producing as many soundtracks as he did in in the '80s and '90s, but still active today. Well, one thing I will say about um, um, Nob Nobuo Uematsu mm -hmm. is he is so important to he's i mean i like i like hamausu's work better but uematsu is so much more important to the to the tapestry of video game music as a whole mm -hmm. i mean so much video game music wouldn't have happened if it weren't for him not just the stuff that he did himself but like how many directions would we have never gone mm -hmm. you know in video game music had it not been for uematsu-san yeah 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 um, they're still going forward with some of the Final Fantasy VII Remake concerts. I keep getting emails about them. Um, probably not going to go this time around. Um, but we'll uh, we'll see. They'll probably do more than one. They always feature at the Final Fantasy VII or the Final Fantasy concerts. If you ever go to one, there's always a you know pretty good representation of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, this song is not one that I've heard live, but like. 
bombing mission is almost always used either as like the first song or the first song after intermission. Okay. Um, you know, the track the track I always think of first with Final Fantasy VII is probably I'm probably the only person on earth who would name this song as like his favorite song of that. And that was Lurking in the Darkness. Okay. Um and and I did listen to the set, the remake the um the new version of it and it was fine but I didn't like it nearly as much as the original you know they um they took the they they didn't they didn't um really transform the original they took the original and then just added some more stuff to it you know yeah so I w- I wasn't as crazy about that uh tell me about the game I haven't played the game yeah it's I mean it's really short that's the thing that I keep getting stuck on is it's not a very long game it's not Final Fantasy 7 remake. It's you know Final Fantasy 7 disc 1 remake. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's for a $60 game, it's pretty short. I'll just okay. I'll just say that. It's it's maybe a 30-hour game. Now, obviously you can do like New Game Plus and maybe I skipped some side quests. I think I got I think I only missed one side quest in the whole game. So it's not as okay. long. There's a lot of I actually like some of the dialogue. Like I like the way they changed, um, or I say expanded on the dialogue between like Cloud and Aerith, for example. So like in the original okay. game, they maybe have like three lines together, and then suddenly, you know, they're a couple, or they're not really a couple, but it's sort of implied that they're on the way to becoming a couple. Mm-hmm. And in Final Fantasy VII Remake, there's like a lot of dialogue. There's like you know, at least one. There's one segment where they're they're kind of working their way through the ruined city and there's, you know, 15 minutes of of dialogue where, you know, you can see that these two are starting to connect. Yeah, but that's sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, it's not a spoiler, I think, to anyone at this point to, to say what happens there. So that would be that'd be heart-wrenching for me, I think. Um, but as you said, it's it's um, it's not Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's Final Fantasy VII uh, Disc One Remake. And that's the feedback I've heard. Yeah. From people also. So, but are, they're supposed they're supposed to be new installments, right? That's, like, that's what they say. Yeah, that they'll do more more episodes because it does kind of end on like about where disc one ends, where like the game is just about to open up. You know, it's like you're you're mm-hmm. you're through the most linear part of Final Fantasy VII at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when you really want to start playing, and that's when it cuts you off. Okay. Um, okay. It, and they keep sort of like teasing that, you know maybe the ending or the outcome of the game can be changed from the original. There's like... And at the same time, they, they imply that it won't be. It's kind of weird. Like, there are these creatures that are in the game, and I almost feel like it's something the developers put in because they felt boxed into the original story. But it's like this new creature that is... exists to um, ensure that fate is um, followed. Like, for lack of a better term, right? Like, basically, this group of, like, phantoms that are like no, you cannot change the story. And they keep forcing... Like, anytime you think the story's going to change, these creatures come in and, and force you back onto the original storyline. Interesting. Uh, predestinators. Yeah. There you go. That's a good term for them. The game has some other term for them, but that's essentially it. Yeah. Okay. Um, is it done Is it done kind of comedically, or is it done kind of darkly, or...? Kind, kind of darkly, because there'll be moments when you can see, like, okay, this is going to be different than the original game, but then these creatures come in and, like... Now you're back on the first path again. And, and I'm wondering if they're building up to, you know, some additional thing where you can fight these creatures and uh, defeat them. They, the creatures kind of look like Dementors from Harry Potter. So it's not comical okay, sure. at all. So sure. I'm, I'm just kind of wondering if they're building up to 
a final confrontation where you can rewrite parts of the history. I hope so. Otherwise, they seem kind of pointless, you know. And it also sounds like a missed opportunity to not kind of have a, you know, a Monty Python-esque, no, no, too silly, too yes. silly, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I actually might have liked that a little better. But, uh, I, think, I mean, like, yeah, overall, I, so. I enjoyed the game. Um, I'll, I'll get the other installments, I'm sure. Um, I just kind of wish mm -hmm. it was a little bit longer. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, maybe when it gets, maybe when it comes down in price, I'll, mm -hmm. you know, I'll look at it. But... Um, so our next track, you had mentioned you had a cheater track, mm -hmm. and I have a cheater track, and it's this next one. Okay. Uh, this, this is from an iOS and Android game called Samorost 3. Uh, the name of the track is Behind the Cosmic Curtain, and it is composed by Floex, who I guess is Tomas Dvorak. Okay. So let's go ahead and, and uh, give that a listen. So that was Behind the Cosmic Curtain from Samaros 3 on iOS and Android, composed by Floex. What do you think of this track? I like it. Well, I like the beginning. I like the beginning part more than the upbeat part, I guess. Um, the first part okay. is so very relaxing. And, like, you're just about to doze off, and then it, it hits you with an alarm. 
<laughs> yeah, I um, well, there, there's not a part of this track that I don't love. Um, but I, yeah, I think I probably think the opening part's the best too, because um, when we did our beta, I had that, that uh, track from Prune that was just kind of that wonderful, mm. beautiful dissonance, you know? Yeah. And th this track opens very much like that track. Um, but then the big middle hit, it, yeah, it's, well, that right there, mm. you know? I mean, it is a hit, but then it's also got all the little twinklies and stuff. It really kind of makes you think of something magical. and. I had mentioned that this track was my cheater track. Um, it counts because it's from a game that I played during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Once. <laughs> I saw it on I saw it on my phone because I downloaded it months before and I, I spent 40 minutes with it. Okay. Uh, and it's it's got a beautiful aesthetic. The art style is incredible. You know, it looks gorgeous on a on a small phone screen like an OLED where the blacks are perfect and all that stuff. You know, it's just mm -hmm. gorgeous. Uh, the music is really good. Uh, it's a, kind of a quirky game. It's kind of like a glorified point and click, you know, if you click this to make this happen kind of thing, you know. So I don't know that it's I don't know that's going to win any game of the year awards, but it's 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 a beautiful looking game, a beautiful sounding game. I never made it far enough into the game to get to this track. I um, after I quit playing, I went to YouTube and researched the soundtrack, and this is the track that jumped out at me. So, um, but it's like I think with Google Play Pass, it's free. Okay. So it's worth a check out if you have that. Um, I hope to play it again. I, you know, I, I, I hope to to eventually work my way through the game because it's just so beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah, I've never played it. I mean, the the screenshots, it, it definitely looks nice. Mm hmm. Um, mm hmm. I, I got such a big backlog. I don't know. Right. I don't know if I can um, get around to this one. It almost kind of makes me think a little bit about some of the. I guess, quote unquote, the big boom of the indie thing in the early uh, the early teens. Mm -hmm. You know, there were indie games long before that. Yeah, but yeah. when that scene really kind of blew up, there were a lot of games that had kind of quirky characters that just kind of, you know, hung limp and kind of moved and made weird sounds and stuff. And and uh, that's there's a lot of that in this game, too. So um, anyway, it's for free. It's worth a try. <laughs> yeah, I don't ha I don't have the Google Play Pass. I don't I don't play a lot of games on my phone. Okay. If I got it, my kids would probably just end up using up all my data. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, you know, I don't spend a ton of time on mobile games either. It's um, my, you know, here I am, the big gamer, and Jody is kind of the casual gamer. But in reality, she probably spends more time gaming than I do because she <laughs> plays on her phone. And I really don't all that much, you know. So, um, but, yeah, it's worth it's worth a check out. So, um we're getting pretty close to the end. Yeah. So I'm, we've got what three more tracks? Three tracks. Yeah. 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 My next, the next track is my last one. Okay. Well, it's my second to last one, and it's probably the game. This is definitely the game I put the most hours into during the uh, the quarantine, and that is Persona Five. Actually, I guess Persona Five Royal is the one I played. So I think that came out towards the end of March. So great time to be locked down and, and play a few hours of Persona 5 every night. And I'm going to go with um, probably the most familiar song from the game. It's called Beneath the Mask. This is the Rain instrumental version of it. There's a couple different versions on the soundtrack. And the composer is Soji Maguro.
All right, so yeah, Persona 5. Uh, Soji Maguro, who has worked on every Persona game, um, literally going back to the original. That's, I guess, what he's most known for. So yeah, this is such a relaxing theme. Um, I don't think you've played Persona 5, but this is... The, the Beneath the Mask is the free time music. So like, okay. you know, it's a game where you're... You know, these games where you're a high school student by day and then fighting demons in a parallel world at night. Of course. Uh, of course, very common thing, just like all of us went through in high school. Right. Um, and so in the evening when you're out of school, you have time to kind of walk around, do some shopping, maybe do some bonding events with, with other characters. And while you're walking around the city, some variation of this theme is playing. So this is the variation okay. that plays if it's raining out that day. Okay. And it kind of gets you to want to walk around even more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely love the atmospheric qualities of this track. You know, um, the the chord changes uh, towards the end where it's more jazzy, I really like. And then, you know, this is the second track that has kind of a heavy-handed organ, you know. Yeah. We've already heard that this yeah. episode, you know, but uh, very different application of that sound, though. But... Um, yeah, no, it's I, I don't have much to say about this track because it's all so good. No. You know, it just it kind of tells its own story. You know the, yeah. Um, I would say this is in the top five tracks of the episode for me. Yeah, yeah, it's probably my favorite song of the episode. I guess if I had to go and rank yeah. them. Um, I also, when I was poking around, I found that on YouTube there's a ten-hour mix of this song that a lot of people commented that they use for sleeping. Okay. I believe it. Yeah. That's good. Well, I, I wonder if that organ would be disturbing to me. But, you know, while I'm trying to say. But uh, no, it's it's great. It's great. So, um, my final track of the day. Um, and speaking of sitting and listening for a long time, um, I this, this track has meant a lot to me. So, the, the game I spent the most time with during the pandemic by a long shot. This is 10 p.m. from Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Nintendo Switch. And the te the composer is a team. Uh, so I'll go ahead and just save the list of composers for the flip side. Mm -hmm. um, let's go ahead and give her a listen.
So that's 10 p.m. from Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Nintendo Switch. And I had mentioned there was a ton of composers that I did not uh, list before. I'll list them now. We have Yasuaki Iwata, Yumi Takahashi, Shinobu Nagata, Sayoka Doi, and or Masato Ohashi. I'm not sure who uh, composed this particular track, though. Well, I'll say that uh, Yasuki Iwata worked on arms in Breath of the Wild, two things we, we featured okay. last time we talked. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I assume they're like the lead of this. Um, the other composers have kind of lighter resumes. Okay. Okay. Well, all these themes kind of are variations on a theme. Mm-hmm. So it would not surprise me if the main theme is Iwata's work and then some of these guys did some of yeah. like these tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, whoever did this track is a hero, <laughs> <laughs> because this this track is really uh, really special to me. Um, most of the listeners will probably know that time in the game in Animal Crossing is real lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, ten o'clock to eleven o'clock in the game is ten o'clock to eleven o'clock in real life, and each hour of the day has a different theme. So this piece of music plays for the entire 10 o'clock hour, 10 p.m. hour in real life. Mm -hmm. And I was up late, I was playing, you know, I wasn't doing a lot else. And um, I just like this track so much, I just parked my character gazing at the stars and listened. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was by far the game that my kids played the most during uh, during this pandemic. Uh, This is, had to buy separate copies for them. This is always not a game they're gonna share. And, um, You know, this one, because they, I guess during summertime, we're maybe a little bit more loose with, uh, you know, with bedtime rules, but uh, definitely heard this quite a bit. Definitely, I've heard the song in the background a lot. I don't really, I never got into the Animal Crossing games. I am um, just, just not my thing. Um, so I've never played this game, but I know exactly what it's about from it being on one of my screens pretty much at any given time. Gotcha. This is the first one I ever played. Okay. Um... You know, I I slept through the Animal Crossing world before this. I I visited a friend's house and and uh, they were playing, and so I've seen I, I had seen the one on Wii for about twenty minutes and thought, well, this is pointless. <laughs> but then I, I I finally played it on the Switch, and I'm like, no, this is magic. Actually, you know what? It's both. It's magic pointlessness. But it's not pointless because everything has you know everything you do, you're doing something for the good of the island or to better the island or whatever. You know, it's actually, um, it actually does a really good job of, if you want to put it more insidiously, keeping its claws into you. Because there's always that next thing to do. Okay. So. But yeah, so I mentioned before, you know, we were going to talk about the, uh, the the biggest release of the year. And I guess this, unless Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, this is the biggest game release of 2020 probably. This is the biggest thus far. It sure beat the heck out of Doom Eternal. Yeah. Well, you know those two games came out on the same day. Um. Okay. Sure. I, I didn't know that, but that's not, yeah. Believe it. And so, IGN when they were doing their reviews, their little pictures were like mashups. You mm. know, so you had like the Doom guy standing over a fiery pit with a sword in his hand, but his head was like one of the cutesy characters from Animal Crossing, and so on and so forth. Just ridiculous ways to to mash it up and in animal crossing you name your island and in tribute of it i had named my island the uac okay (laughs) so yeah i um yeah yeah, um 
huge, huge game. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what I can come out this year that will outsell it. Um, I, I don't know if that's even going to be possible. Uh, who knows? Who knows? If another bomb drops and we're all still in quarantine, though. I mean, you know, quarantine has an adverse effect on game development, but a positive impact on game sales. Yes. Yeah. The Switch, of course, is sold out everywhere. Um, part of it is people being stuck indoors, but also part was, was Animal Crossing. I mean, there's a demographic who was not going to buy the Switch until there's an Animal Crossing game for it. Yep. And they were appeased. Yeah. Um, okay. So... Um, before we get to the final track, let's do a little housekeeping. All right. Um, there's another show you do. Uh, yeah. And I want you to tell I want you to tell the listeners about it. Yeah, I do another podcast called Retro Game Club. You can go out to retrogameclub.net or just search for us on your favorite podcast place. Um, we're we're pretty much on all of them. I guess Google Play is shutting down soon, so we won't be on that anymore. But like you know, Spotify, iTunes. I guess those are the big places. Um, and it's a uh, it's a show where we talk a little more technical um, spin on things. We do a lot of stories about like homebrew games or uh, ROM hacks or uh, retro game development uh, mods, that kind of stuff. A lot of like Raspberry Pi projects we cover. So it's it's really about kind of like hobbyist, you know, um, development and, and hobby hacking projects. Awesome. Well, I listened to the show. It's a good show. Oh, thank you. Um, so, yeah. So everyone should... I'm behind on a bunch of shows, but I. it's one of those shows that if I get behind, I get caught up. So um, it's a good show. Um, you guys should definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2, you probably already know about Channel 1, so I won't really talk about it at length except to say it's a mixtape-style video game music podcast, very much unlike this, except that it involves video game music. So if you are hearing this and you have not heard Channel 1, go check it out. Um, I think that's, well, we should probably mention that right now the plan for Channel 2 is to be a quarterly. Just do it once a, you know, four times a year, once a season, basically. And um, right now it's Hugh and I. We are kicking around the idea of bringing on a couple other people to kind of share that load uh, so that we don't, if we want to be here all four episodes, we can. But if we don't want to be, we the, you know the show goes on without us for an episode or two. Um, so, so you might hear some other face. You might hear yeah hear some other faces. I'm actually going to leave that in. Um, hear some other voices uh, on the show in the future. So, um, our plans for next episode are just you know, Christmas related stuff. The stuff that sounds like winter or holiday, you know. Uh, so hopefully it'll be a good episode. Uh, be on the lookout for that in December. Now, I th- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I've actually, uh, I was actually looking at a bunch of Christmas music recently. So part of the reason I've, I've been playing a lot of games uh, during quarantine, one is that it's quarantine and there's not much to do. But but the other reason is my my wife has some book contracts and uh, she's been kind of working overtime. So in the evenings, she's working a lot, uh, which means I'm playing games. And she had to do a, um, a Christmas book during this quarantine. That's a true story. And uh, it's really awesome. weird to write Christmas stories in the middle of summer. Like she was writing this mostly in, in like May and June. Um, mm-hmm. No, it was July she wrote this one. So she was doing a lot of like. Uh, so I'm like, all right, we better play some Christmas music in the house just to help out with this. Um, but yeah, so I was looking at Christmas-related uh, video game songs around then too, finding uh, a few good ones. More on the remix side than on original side, but there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. Sure, awesome. 
Awesome. Uh, well, I can't wait to hear what you have, and I uh, should be able to have my list together pretty shortly. So, um, well, I think that's I think that's everything except for your closing track. Um, but since we're not coming back after that, let's go ahead and introduce it now. Talk about it now. What do you think about it? Yeah. So. Um... I'm going to go with a game that I played a lot during this pandemic, and from what I heard on the internet, uh, in general, this game had a big revival, and that is Wii Sports. So, um, so you know, if you're parents, your kids were sent home from school um, probably around March 13th, and you were still supposed to be doing, like, gym class stuff, right? Um, so, you know, my kids weren't getting any exercise anymore, and it's March in the Midwest, so you're not really going to go out and, and do anything outside. So, uh, we Sports had a really big resurgence in my house, and uh, you know, played that pretty much every night when the, the kids are done with um, with their school zooms and when I was done with work zooms. And uh, the track, most of the songs on this this track and this game are pretty short. I'm going with the um, results from golf. So it's after you finish a golf game and you see your score. Uh, the composer is Kazumi Totaka, and um, I just put in my notes, like, you maybe normally only listen to 10 seconds of this song, uh, but I was surprised how much effort they put into a song that really is just on the screen for a, a very short period of time. Yeah, well, and it, it really does have that um, that great, after a, a, a great day on the greens field, mm -hmm. you know, you just spent like three or four hours hitting a ball around, and now you and your buds are getting back in the in the golf cart to putt your way back to the i shouldn't say putt because that implies the rest of golf but yeah. <laughs> yeah slowly slowly make your way back to the to the uh, clubhouse yeah 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 good times good times okay well everyone thank you so much for joining us for episode one of channel two yeah um it's you know the show channel one's been around for four years i always i always envisioned that channel two would follow shortly thereafter and here we are like four years later finally doing a, mm -hmm. a second show so this is a really really huge moment for me and um i'm so honored to get to do this with yeah, you this Hugh. is fun yeah yeah so enjoy the track and we will see you next time yep thanks for listening
Thank you for indulging us for that special introduction, listeners. This is the first episode of Nerd Noise Radio, Channel 2. Oh, <laughs> I'll edit this out. I was, I was going for a handoff there. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, here, you know what? You know what? Uh, I'll just, we'll scrub that. We'll scrub that. We'll do, we'll okay. uh, take two. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. Okay, go ahead. Um, let's go ahead and start the music over though, so we can. All right. Okay. Uh, three, two, three.